0: Welcome back. We did it. We made it to season 7. Look mom, I'm alive. And yes, what a season we have for you. Today's guest is, well, someone whom I've been trying to get on since I started this whole thing almost 4 years ago. A gentleman who's every designer's favorite designer. One of the folks who was behind a brand that everyone loved. I mean everyone, no matter what their style was. I remember visiting the showroom of his previous company once and telling him about the pod, and he was like, oh, I listened, but I'm not ready yet. Little did I know, he was getting ready to launch his own brand. Well, he did, and he's here. It's Angelo Arusha. My name is Jeremy Kirkland, and you're listening to Blamo, a podcast exploring the world of fashion with the people who shape it. This week, I talk with Angelo Arusha, formerly of Engineered Garments and Nepenthes, as he launches his own brand, 4S Designs. Angelo and I discuss growing up in New York, finding manufacturers in Italy, getting inspired by American sportswear, and designing the first season of his new line. Mr. Angelo Arusha, um, I, I'm glad you're, so glad you're on the pod. You have been like an extremely requested guests and you know from your time at eg but also now which is the cool thing what we're here to talk about more Mm. than anything is 4s designs Mm. which is that's your that's your line
1: yeah yeah it's crazy it's crazy
0: congratulations by the way thank
1: you thank you thank you i appreciate that yeah uh yeah no it's it's uh it's a little surreal because i started the collection basically in um mid-october okay of 2019 of 2019 and a lot of people have asked me like oh have you has this been in your mind for a long time and um you know it hasn't <laughs> funny enough it hasn't i just kind of like i just kind of started with this idea coming from uh just my experiences with like I love clothing and and I, I I love product, but more so, I thought about just the current climate and how like it was October, and everybody was freaking out that barney's was closing, and everybody everything was going to get marked down mm. and I started thinking about like how delivering coats in July everyone 's on sale in November, you know hopefully december, yeah, and it's doesn 't get cold till you know christmas January, yeah you know so it's just started i just started i thought about that for a bit. And then so I developed this the, the label, the woven label itself, because uh, I, I have an ego, but I don't have an ego, but it's just sort of information. It has the four seasons, mm-hmm. the four stations of the year and numbers. And then uh, basically it changes every season. And I want to come to a place where uh, I do four different seasons in a, in a calendar year. And it's, I know it's kind of like double the work. I uh, know it's not necessarily double the work, to be honest with you, okay. because I want you to come in the showroom and I'll say this is the first drop. This is the second drop. Okay. Or if like I have an idea for summer teas, you know, here, you know, for the better customers and so forth. So I want to serve not only the end user, but the retailer in a new way. Like I want to be able to try to push an agenda where in a spring collection, in a spring drop delivering in December, you'll have winter coats. Yeah. And so that was the first thing. And so I came up with the label in that, in that respect. And then when it came to the name, you know, after speaking to the lawyer and everything, there's somebody using spring, summer, fall, winter. And then there's somebody else, not not for clothing, but for something else. Right, right. And there is a clothing brand with fall, winter, spring, summer. So I was like, ah. And then so uh, I, we decided on four stations designed for, but I thought that was too much. So oh. I said four S designs. And I wanted it to feel generic, kind of like a firm. Like someone said to me, it sounds like a car detailing company.
0: Yeah, it is, it is something that's like somewhat in a good way, like yeah, vague yeah, yeah. and
1: ambiguous. I wanted it to be malleable because I wanted to kind of shape it as I start, you know, because this first season in particular for me, I really just kind of wanted to create what I felt was like a real perfect wardrobe for myself in the sense of like uh, day to night. Mm -hmm. Uh, I, I was, I spoke with the owner of Camouflage. I don't know if you know that store that was on 8th Avenue.
0: Oh, snap. Yeah.
1: That's old New York. Yeah. So I, I interviewed him with my friend Gary for a magazine I did for, for Nebentis. Yeah. And he had a, a magazine called uh, Manhattan Catalog, which is pre-Google. Okay. And, uh, I actually met someone in Italy who knew it, which blew my mind away, but Manhattan Catalog is probably one of the best magazines Ever. Ever because this was pre AIDS, and so basically, there was such huge, immense creative talent in the New York, in particular. And because this is like uh, late 70s, early 80s, okay, there was such amazing talent of all levels that, unfortunately, you know, because of the AIDS epidemic you know, they're gone. Yeah.
0: Keith Haring and
1: that whole crew. Exactly. Had the most amazing, just like they would, they would be an advertisement for a flower shop in Chelsea that would have the most amazing layout, graphics, photography, et cetera, that you, you, you you're just like, what? (laughs) yeah, Insane. And they were just (laughs) doing, they were just friends helping each other. Right. Right. And so I interviewed him and he was telling me like how, uh, years ago he, he, he had this business where it was amazing where people, dressed you know people had clothes to go to the office people Mm -hmm. had clothes to go to the gym people had clothes to go out to dinner and then they had clothes to go out to a club right it was all like you know it 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 never broke outside of that and so I thought about him because I I thought that was very like uh, outdated but at the same time I thought it was very like Beautiful that that was that existed, that gesture, you know, Mm -hmm. like, oh, I have to, I'm going to dinner, so I have to wear this, you know, I'm going to the club, I'm going to go dancing, so I have to do this.
0: Yeah, a a respect for where you're going instead of the whole, like, exactly, you know, I can do whatever I want, and Mm. you know, you should be happy that I'm here. Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) this is like respecting the institution.
1: So I thought about him and I thought about that, and I thought, because I always thought that was amazing, um, way to think about things, but then I thought about just america and like the way america has broken so many things so many things that you know especially coming from europe uh you know like just sportswear and i'm not talking about like yoga pants i'm talking about like a sports jacket like you know where it's just like not a suit i just want a jacket you know right right and they kind of america is i think the the home of like This formal, informal kind of thing, you know, like, you Mm -hmm. know, I still think there's a lot of informality, 100%, you know, because we live in New York. New York is kind of its own country a bit. Yeah. But, um, you know, I, you know, I still see like people wearing yoga pants, but they'll throw on a fur coat. Right. And to me, that's, that's pretty cool. But at the same time, like a lot of people kind of look down on that because it's like, ah, it's a little lazy or what have you. But I I find that that's America in spirit. And so I thought about all those things together, and myself as my first audience. And so I tried to think about uh, day to night, and that's how I approached it. And I also kind of wanted to emphasize this informal formal gesture that is America uh, in a big way, because I this is the first time I'm produce I'm you know manufacturing producing anything not in America. Mm. Uh, Well, I produce in England. I shouldn't say that, but um, I'm producing everything in Italy. So to me, that was the first thing for me was just like, whoa, like, what does that mean to me? Mm -hmm. I, I I had a hard time with it, to be honest with you in the beginning. And I was when I was touring the factories and the mills and so forth. I saw these amazing, amazing, like truly amazing, beautiful French brands manufacturing this insane level of craft But it didn't mean anything like Italy meant nothing. It was not part of the equation. And I remembered when I was a kid made in Italy was like, oh, oh, it's made in Italy. Yes, it's, it's like high craft, high quality, etc. And I feel like that was like not part of this conversation that a lot of these brands were doing, you know, they were just, you know, making things and so I want to tackle things in a different way where I want to talk about it I was like I'm going to go full on just like the American spirit that I'm trying to embrace in my collection and just like talk about it almost like in a brash way like you know like
0: like a sense of transparency
1: like you're, you're not using no, air quote factories no you're working in specific cities you're yeah, yeah. I, want to, I, want, I'm, I want to embrace it full on I also then I you know I, I we were you know I'm in Bologna that's kind of like my hub yeah my center uh, and then amazing food and then I started yeah. thinking about, like, how everything there is just, like, the quality of the product there, just tomatoes, you know, peppers, pasta is just the best. And yeah. they don't think about it. It's just like, it has to be. You're you're going to eat it, so it has to be. Right. So, you, I started thinking about that because in America, it's just sort of like you go to a better restaurant and it's just like, oh, these tomatoes are from, like, you know, James's farm and these potatoes are from Tom's and so forth. Yeah, the whole farm-to-table type. Exactly. Of yeah. And so... I started thinking about that and and, and I was just sort of like, yeah, I'm going to do that. I'm I'm getting wool from Marsotto and, you know, Grupo Chinca is making my nylon and, you know, all these, all these um, Albini, you know, all these people. Mm -hmm. Those are all fabric mills. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. You know, and like the only people who use them, like I know for Albini, Gucci uses Albini quite a bit. But like the only people that I I started asking these people, like who would do something like this, like what I'm trying to ask you to make for me. Like, yeah, probably just Zenya and Laura Piana and stuff like that, and I was like, "Oh wow, those are good people to be in the room with <laughs> <laughs> no no, yeah, for sure, but I started thinking about it just kind of just like um, you know, you would think of those things as luxury, and my goal here is not to make a luxury product, it's just to make a product that is made well, right, you know, I just want to make things that are that you don't want to throw away i want I want you to take one of my garments and feel like, oh, this is, this is good. You know, yeah. I, I, w- I want you to feel good in it. I want you to like, I, I use like, you know, like one of the people that I work with in Bologna, they were like, why are you using lining? That's so expensive. Like it's just lining. And I'm like, I want people to put their arm through my sleeves and, and be like, oh, this feels good. And maybe not even think about it. Like not, maybe not just be something that it's like unsaid, but you know, I just want people to feel good in it, you know, just sliding into my arm, you know, yeah you know, just comfort. You know in a new way and so i wanted to th- i thought about things and from the inside out just even in, from the lining itself uh but the fabrics to not just be tactile but also just soft mm-hmm. and and give you comfort and and you know like you know, but for instance like i wanted to use i was i, I was like I, I have to use cashmere i want to use cashmere i want to use cashmere and when i looked at those prices i was like <laughs> oh wow you're like, oh, cashmere and affordability rarely yeah. coexist. <laughs> so uh, I convinced, uh, well, this mill, uh, uh, basically, you know, cashmere, uh, you probably know, but uh, cashmere is, is wool. Yeah. Right? Well, it's little, little goat underbellies. Exactly. It's, yeah. But it's wool. Mm-hmm. But they have to finish it to make it soft, to make it feel like the butter that it feels like. Oh, know? yeah. Yeah. But normal hair from uh, the other parts that are wool maybe can't withstand going through that finishing process. Mm-hmm. So through kind of reverse engineering of sorts, I said, well, how can we get it to be like, you know, like cashmere? And it's just sort of like um, uh, they kind of were like, huh? What? Uh, we, we basically have long hair wool, long, long hair fibered wool. I don't know if that's the correct way to say it, but uh, finished like cashmere. Okay, so basically, uh, it feels, it looks, and exactly like cashmere. I mean, it's still quite expensive. <laughs> yeah, the finishing is not cheap, <laughs> uh, but it's at a you know a better price. Right. You know? So I, I'm very I'm very happy about that. You know, and then um, I didn't want to just stop with Italy. And then I kind of thought about things further because I, again, with the name and the malleability of it all, I, I, you know, I wanna, again, part of this whole process for me is I wanna serve the customer and the stores in a new way. Um, I wanted to do something that was not Italian. I was like, I really was like very adamant about like, I need to do something like, you know, and I didn't wanna do something American cause I wanna distance myself from my previous career as much as possible. Sure. And so I landed on England and, uh, I, you know, you know, Ventile, you set it up, you, they sell it to you, it's all good, whatever, you know, it's expensive, as I, th- I think you know. It for, for the for those of you out there that don't know, Ventile is 100% cotton that is woven very tight. Yeah, so it's like a breathable waterproof, kind of a Gore-Tex-like fabric. There you go. Yeah, there you go. And then um, uh, I said to them, in the process of setting up an account with them, I said, uh have you guys ever allow people to use your logo on the outside of a garment? I said, no one's really asked. <laughs> and I was like, wow, really? And they were like, yeah. I was like, uh, would you let me? And they were like, well, how? And then I explained to them and they said, yeah, sure. And I was just like, oh, okay, cool, let's do it. And then you know, I tell everyone and they're like, huh? So I just made like a very simple American type zip jacket, and I I printed Ventile on the sleeve, yeah. quite large, and it's just kind of again, you know, it's a simple zip jacket that basically I didn't make it. What I didn't tape it because I didn't. I want. I I need to understand where my price point's gonna gonna lie. <laughs> yeah, yeah. As soon as you do that, that man that jacks it up. So uh, it's it's you know just cut and sew, but um, it's you know it'll be pretty good in any type of. You know, unless it's like you're in the tub, you're, <laughs> sure. you're good. Well,
0: it's something I want to uh, jump back to because your perspective on how you view fashion is really interesting to me because a lot of people that I've known that are in the fields that you've been in mm. have somewhat, you know, and I say this in a loving way, have I have a very almost narrow mind on how fashion has to be viewed. And for you, you you don't look at fashion like that. You don't even look at clothes like that. Like mm. you, you know, when I when I first met you a long 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 time ago, I think it was at PT Womo. Okay. You were at EG with mm-hmm. Zaiki. Yeah. And you were just like this cool dude and and when I tried to ask about you, everyone's like, "Oh, like he's he's from New York. He's like old school New York. He's old school New York." <laughs> so, my question is like, I mean, because you – did you grow up
1: here? Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm – I'm, uh, I was born in El Salvador uh, and uh, my, my family was in the midst of the war, the civil war there. So uh, uh, my mom basically was very worried for her well-being and left uh, – came to America basically a war refugee. They literally bombed my house where I was born and raised okay. I think like three or four days after we left which is like I, I always like my mom is amazing human being. And she came to America, you know, she, she like literally not the whole way, but like walked across Mexico with coyotes, coyotes, you know, and yeah, like, yeah. smuggled in and then we came here and we landed in Texas and then she had a sister in New York. And, you know, I have to go to my sister as well. So where am I? Why am I going to stay here? So and I've lived in New York since I was I don't I don't know the timeline two, three. And so right. we didn't have a lot of money. So I basically floated around everywhere. Like my mom didn't have her own kind of apartment until I was maybe nine or ten, something about that. And uh-huh. then um, because of that, you know, just I grew up everywhere. Like, you know, I'm, I, am I, I you know, well, you know, long story short. Yeah. You know, I've lived I've lived in all the five boroughs and uh, even Staten Island which was uh, not, not for long with six, six, eight months, but that was also a very interesting time. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, predominantly, uh, at the end, Long Island, because my mom was like, you know, we need to be safe. <laughs> right. I mean, and that's,
0: in- yeah. And it's, said we and need, it's very safe. interesting.
1: Yeah. But it's very <laughs> interesting too, because even in Long Island, uh, I grew up in Newcastle in Westbury and when I lived there, uh, and that's like, I was like the only not black kid, <laughs> right? <laughs> Which was a lot of fun for me, and it was like I kind of like uh, I actually after uh after years and years and years and years, uh, a friend of my brother's asked me, uh was asking me a ton of questions, and I was kind of annoyed. I was like, oh, come come on, like what? Why are we talking about this? Like clothes and whatnot. Like, And I kind of figured out that I kind of gravitated and loved clothes because it was like, you know, there came a point in time where everyone, when I was a kid, just got bigger than me. I couldn't play basketball as well as everyone else, et cetera, et cetera. Oh, okay. And so I figured that after talking to this kid for some time, that clothing was kind of like my armor. It was my way. I I, I kind of like circumnavigated all those fields by just... Well, trying to be like outdo each other like I think some people would say cool or whatever but that's such a weird word for me but it was really to outdo each other like if you were like if you were wearing Tommy Hilfiger it'd be like no 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 no, no. I'm gonna wear Ralph and it's like and, it, and then came a place in time where if you had the means it'd be like oh wait no, I'm gonna wear Moschino or I'm gonna wear Versace you know and it was like it was a weird I think about it now and I was like very like it was absurd yeah. <laughs> a little bit you know but i remember like i i had uh macy's at the time was fantastic i remember like macy's and herald square had a double rl shop. Oh wow and i think maybe i don't know if it launched there or not like you know but um i remember walking around inside macy's and i saw dkny tech okay and i remember wearing that like i was like oh my god this is amazing and I, I maybe, you know, after after this airs, maybe some people will, inf- like, inform us. But I think DKNY Tech was the first camp hat, like, fashion camp hat.
0: But oh, I'm not sure. I'm not okay. sure.
1: I have it. I do own that camp hat. I, <laughs> I still – I never wanted to get rid of it. But anyway, I went back to school and I was wearing all this stuff that was, like, DKNY. And they were like, what's that? Donkey Tech? Like, what is that? <laughs> you know? And it was it was pretty that's, funny. That's but fair. anyway, long story short, like, for me – Clothing subconsciously was like uh, my armor, Yeah, you know, so I always kind of um, went with my gut a bit. Just like when I saw it, I was like, oh, I love this or, you know, I I don't love this. I'm very like, as soon as I see something, I know if I like it or not. But like, you know, just trolling around New York, you know, like I remember going to see uh, Combe de Garçons shirt store on West Broadway because I was obsessed with art. Always roamed around Soho and stuff like that. I would cut school to go see art. I was a lunatic but you know just jumping into these stores and I would just go in and if I could buy something I'd be like oh I want to get that you know but um, Paragon to me and is always just holds a really very strong place in my heart for me the outdoor uh, store in Union Square yes yes Paragon to me was always like just the coolest thing because it wasn't just like it was you know it was never cheap it was expensive Mm -hmm. but the stuff worked it wasn't like fashion, you yeah. Know, it worked. Like they're a real, you know, they 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 had Goldwyn like ten years ago, and I was just like, "What's Goldwyn?" Because I always pop in here and there, just to check out what they're doing because they always try to get like the latest. Mm-hmm. But they're an amazing store, and to me, it's just like what they did was such, because you know it's New York City, and as much as like a lot of people can buy arterics and so forth and blah blah blah. They're not necessarily climbing mountains with that. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I tend to agree
0: with you on that one. <laughs> you know, they're, they're trying to
1: just battle the winter in the city. Sure. And uh, I, th- I think about, like, New Yorkers going to Paragon to just get, like, the best of the best. Yeah. You know, to, like, you know, soldier through these, <laughs> these tough winters. <laughs> yeah. You know, but uh, Paragon to me was always very special because that's when I discovered things that worked. You know, like, I remember that clothing had a utility right yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah yeah I remember getting like these uh Italian uh mountain climbing boots Trizetta because at the time everybody was running Basque I think that's how you say V A S Q U E yeah and I was like no nah, I'm not wearing those I loved them but I was like <laughs> I'm not wearing those so I go to Paragon I'm like oh Trizetta what's that and I'm like woo you know amazing like they were amazing boots and and you know the only place you would discover that is Paragon you know yeah. so that to me then became the place to outdo the next person, you know?
0: Right. So, uh... Well, and that's, like, in a way, I mean, that is the whole sort of really classic New York culture of, of dressing, and that it, it's not, like... And, th- and that's the thing of why I wanted to call that out so much, because it's not like you came here and bought your identity through, mm-hmm. like, some sort of goofy, fabricated thing, and then you read a book in Union Square, and now you're smart. Like, you this is your home. You grew up here. You've, you've seen every movements from the low heads and all that stuff. When you're like, that's not a, that wasn't like a cultural thing. Those were people I know. I yeah. mean, I, you know, yeah. I remember seeing, and at least when I first chatted with you about that stuff, cause I was like, yo, this guy's so like, he's, he's been there. He's done all this stuff. <laughs> and I, so, I mean, I say that with like admiration, but you know, to, you know, uh, and by the way, we don't have to speak about this very long, but like, how did you end up at EG
1: then? Uh uh long story short I, I the career i had previous to e g i was i was uh trying to make my way to an art career okay and basically i got burnt i was just out of it and uh, it's you know i was just disappointed i guess mm-hmm. but uh my friend uh knew somebody at at nepentis and they said hey you know you're pretty good at making things Because uh, i was i was making things at the time what what were you making like just projects for you know, I guess art. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> fair. And um, they said the, these guys need help making stuff, and I said what kind of stuff? And yeah, I was. The, you, you like clothes too, right? And I was like, oh yeah. Let's. And you know, anyway, long story short, I interviewed with Todd, uh, Todd Killian, who is the most amazing human being. Had a, his own collection, Todd Killian, New York. Um, which was amazing. If you could get your hands on it, guys, get your hands on it. It's pre Google as well. But Todd does the production for Daiki. Mm-hmm. And I interviewed with Todd, and basically I started working for Todd at Nepentis, just helping him make the production. Oh, wow. Which was at the time not very big. You know, in the beginning, in the, in the very first days, I literally had the production in a shopping cart and would take it to the laundromat and what wash it. I don't even know, I don't remember, 18 years or so ago, something like that. But, uh, you know, it was a very small team, very, very small team, so it was all hands on deck, and then basically I just uh, helped everyone, including Daiki, and and I think uh, me and Daiki probably bonded fairly quick because we kind of have very similar tastes, but uh, he's more of a historical reference than I am, and for me it's just more like... I like it because it's, you know, because I like it. Mm-hmm. I, think I, re- I think I was wearing a polo jacket one time and it was, it's bas- it was basically a Filson cruiser, you know. Yeah. And uh, he was like, oh, that's, that's a Filson. I was like, oh, no, it's polo. And he, oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but, you know, Ralph's king. Ralph's king. Ralph is always king to me. Like the only place left, I think, in the world that regardless of the time of the year, I can go in and buy something. Ralph is king but Interesting, yeah. a- anyway lo- um yeah and then i just um the, as it grew like it's just all hands on deck and that's how i started with nebentis wow how do you like to travel do
0: you pack the night before do you pack the day of do you even pack at all well i am an overpacker i gotta have my gear I pack an extra jacket, I got extra shirts, I even pack running shoes when I know I'm not going to run at all. No matter what I pack or how much though, I'm always packing it in my Away carry-on luggage. Away offers a range of suitcases made from different materials like polycarbonate, aluminum, and durable nylon in a variety of colors and sizes. So whoever you are and whatever you need to pack, Away has luggage that will help make your next trip more seamless. I use my Away Carry-On in the Navy Polycarb. It's impeccably strong and I never worry about it because all of Away suitcases are designed to last a lifetime, with durable exteriors that can withstand the roughest of travel. Also, every Away suitcase comes with an interior organization system that includes a built-in compression pad to help you pack more in. And you get a hidden and removable laundry bag that separates your dirty clothes. Or in my case, the running clothes you never used anyway. And it all sits on Away's four 360-degree spinner wheels that guarantee the smoothest roll even through the most hectic of airports and stations. Best of all, there's a 100-day trial on everything Away makes. Take the product out on the road, live with it, travel with it, even get lost with it for 100 days. If you decide it's not for you, you can return any non-personalized item for a full refund during that period. No ifs, ands, or asterisks. Start your risk-free 100-day trial and shop the entire Away lineup of travel essentials, including their best-selling suitcases at awaytravel.com forward slash blammo. So what kind of packer are you going to be? Rest assured and start your risk-free 100-day trial and shop the entire Away lineup of travel essentials, including their best-selling suitcases at awaytravel.com forward slash blammo. Cause I mean the, the, stuff you did at Nepenthes and this is, you know, again, I, I'm, I'm not trying to single anyone out, but you know, th- that was where I first met and interacted with you. Cause I mm. just knew you as like, he's the, he's the other cool guy at Nepenthes because <laughs> it, you know, it was, it was a, 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 lot of folks from Japan and, and you were yeah. not, you are not the Japanese yeah, guy.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was, me and Todd are, are the, 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 the non-Japanese. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, it's it's just very weird because there's that conception that, you know, or this idea that, you know, it's Nepen- well, Nepentis is a Japanese brand. But in particular, Daiki and his work in New York, and Daiki's lived in America for whew, 20 plus years. Like, I don't see Daiki as much as other people do as Japanese. Oh, okay. So I always, like, was always kind of, we always worked in New York in a way where... Um, we just, you know, we just kind of worked on stuff and then just showed up to Japan like this is what we made. <laughs> really? You know, so it was sort of like they didn't really have a lot of... Um... Oversight? Yeah, exactly. So it, it was, for me, it always felt more American, you mm-hmm. know, because producing it here and everything was done here. You know, everything. And, you know, part part of my job, for instance, was also to find stuff to buy and and not only for our stores in Japan, but also to distribute in Japan. Yeah. So I was in the earlier part, I was always trying to find uh, things and not necessarily like a finished product, but just like good production or, you know, a strange person who was making things in a flea market and then just kind of um, taking them and then adapting our ideas and trying to make it something else. Right. You know, we worked with, uh, I remember Darberry Stendaroo, who she's, she's an artist But um, we asked her to take the things that she had, you know, in her quilts, these beautiful, insane quilts, and print them on T-shirts. And then I asked her to print them on, uh, you know, unfinished goods, woven, like, fabric. And then we'd cut them and make them into button-downs and things like that. And we would just adapt when we saw talent and then take that all back. So anyway, the point I'm saying that is because – it was always American, always American. We were always trying to find things made in America that um we could adapt and yeah. fix or or you know, for instance, like you know even like we worked with Russell moccasin for ages and way before and i I'll say this because mm. you're not, and that's fine. <laughs>
0: no one knew who there are there's a laundry list of brands that no one had any idea who they were mm. until engineer Garments collaborated with them mm. and now those brands in a lot of ways like got a whole new life because
1: mm-hmm. of the the validation that you're that you and the team had well had Russell's all Daiki for sure but I worked with them in the later parts of things because that was before I got there but with Russell in particular like uh, uh, what I wanted to get to is that the point was he that company itself is is one of the last but th- what they're really amazing at or the things that we saw that they were like, that they should do is, you know, they have this way of uh, lasting the shoe where it becomes waterproof naturally. It's like two um, seamless layers that lock mm-hmm. in the shoe, you know, because it's a real proper, like, their are root businesses like George W. Bush coming in to get boots to go hunting in, you know, and he gets measured and so forth. Right. But obviously they have a strong business in Japan, but the things that we asked russell to make were the top tier right and like the snake bite stuff n- uh yeah sort of but okay. uh but basically there came a point where in the shop there was only one person who can sew the shoes that we wanted them oh, to wow. sew and so they said well why don't you make something simpler and we well that we can make that shoe anywhere why would we <laughs> want to do it with you you're, this is what you should do. This is what Fair. you should be showing off. Like this is your not only their their skill set but their DNA, and so that was kind of a lot of my mentality through Daiki, where it's just like if you make something, you have to make them make it with them, and with what they're special at doing, not just like for the sake of doing it. Mm. And that that was part again like my my when I got stuck with Made in Italy, that was part of my thing. Like why am I making in Italy? Yeah. But part of the process for for me was doing all these things in america, so i never f- I never felt like we were japanese we I always felt like we were an American company you know? Right. so uh but yeah, we had Japanese people working there <laughs> yeah i
0: mean it's something that I've always admired about what you guys were able to do is if you look at like how an air quote business or a clothing business should be run mm. um it's all of these you know very like finding ways to make profit and build hype and do these things. And if you look at the history of engineer garments and what you were doing there, and then, you know, and I'm curious to see what will happen with forest designs, but none of those things felt like they followed like a, you know, Mm. proper business model, the people that you collaborated with, you know, you would, I remember when the retail store opened up, it was in, you know, a, not the most accessible place. <laughs> you you did art shows there. You weren't like it's it's just this.
1: There was a a, a constant mystery mm. that was in it. Uh, Keizo Shimizu, who owns everything, uh, he's the and our boss. The and, like Godfather of Nepenthes. Basically, well, he, he's yeah. He he owns Nepenthes and he designs needles. Um, he was always a ama- He's he's still like I just I just saw him a few weeks ago. He's he's an amazing human being, but. He's really good at just, like, giving you your space and letting you do what you do. Just like and, – and I think, like, he, he, gave, he gave Daiki, obviously, a lot of space and, um, and he created engineered garments. And he would give, you know, myself and, you know, I, you know Todd Killian, for instance, was there because um, Daiki used to buy his collection. Oh, wow. Daiki bought Todd Killian, New York. And then there came a point where Nepenthes had a license with Todd Killian, New York, where Todd was going to Japan and um, making his collection there for Nepenthes. And so, like, that's who, you know, who does that? But um, Keizo and Daiki have always been of the mindset of, like, if everyone's doing that, let's go the other way. And that totally fell in sync with like my mentality as a kid. Like if everyone's doing that, I want to, I want to wear this. I want to do that. And so um, they are very well respected in Japan. I think in the world now, I think people realize the work they've done, but they're always the ones that want to be the first, Mm -hmm. you know, or if they do it, they want to just do it the right way. There always has to be a rhyme and reason. It's not just for for doing things and the philosophy ultimately is that the audience that they've kind of like nurtured believes in them you Mm. know when they come to market with something they know that it wasn't just a random thing it was something that you know Yeah, it wasn't
0: a trend report
1: no no exactly it was something that came uh either from the heart or from a gut instinct that this was like an interesting thing yeah you know like daiki bought like john bartlett you know and things like that like J- da- daiki is like because he was clayborne and ducky brown and i i don't know the exact history but yeah he but when it was like when he first first started and daiki first started buying for Nepentis, he was buying stuff like that you know and like um cross colors first season wow you know it's it honestly daiki and and Keizo, like when they tell me the things that they bought it's in, it's like amazing daiki, yeah. daiki bought jp todd's for Nepentis, you know Kazo found a f- an Amish family in Ohio that made hunting clothes, you know things like that. It's just, you know. But anyway, I don't. I don't want to speak too much for them, but uh, they are quite, course. quite, quite a revolutionary clothing company. Yeah, you know, they they really they function like uh, like artists.
0: So y- you were there for. What, you said about uh, we, 18 years?
1: Yeah, ish. I don't know. We I never counted. I was kind of like... And they don't know either. And, <laughs> and we could probably look at <laughs> W-2s, but okay. we never bothered. But yeah, something like that, yeah.
0: And so when you decided to create your own line, what was that conversation like? Were you, like, scared to tell them that you were going to leave? Or
1: was it... Uh. Well, no, I, I left because I, uh, I left mostly because I was burnt. I was really burnt and uh, and nothing on anyone. I just... I just wasn't. I, I was going 100 miles per hour, and yeah, you were always I, doing lots of stuff. Yeah, I overextended myself, and I came to a place where you know I said I, I thought it would be better for not the not only just the business, but for Daiki to have someone else come in, you know. Mm. Uh, and it was like, and for all aspects, for the business, most of all, you know. Um, and so I said, I just I need a break. I need to stop. I, I need to like just take some time. Uh, fortunately or unfortunately, I don't know, bits and pieces got out that I left and then uh, some people started approaching me. I probably took like five five meetings or six meetings. Oh, wow. And uh, my partner who I have now um, really just – I felt like it felt really good. It felt right and I thought, okay. And then we were back and forth a bit and then um, we. I did this in two and a half months because – I didn't want to launch with spring summer because fall winter is what feels the best for me. Sure. I mean I love spring summer but for, for I think the to have like um uh, the uh, the most important thing for me in the whole process was the initial reaction. And I think like most people gravitate towards fall winter to have like to see what your like uh bones are going to be like. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So that's why I, you know we came to the decision when in the conversations I was having with my partner to see like what when we would launch or not. And I was like, ah, oh, spring summer twenty one. And he was like, uh, yeah, I don't know either. Uh, can we do it? Uh, let's try. <laughs> and so yeah, the, you know, I I really didn't expect to hit the ground running. Yeah. Uh, so so fast, but. Um, it felt right. It felt right, you know. And it's been a it's been a huge learning experience. Italy is not like New York. I right. realize New York is, you know, they say it's a city that that never sleeps. It sleeps. It does sleep. <laughs> Kitchens close, but you know, I can make a I can make a collection here fast. You know, I can right. get my hands on on. You know, you can go to a jobber. You can get fabrics immediately. You can go to the factories. You know, if you're if you have the skill set with. Uh, an unskilled pattern maker, you can make amazing things. But if you, obviously if you have a skilled one, sure. I was so used to that. I was used to the speed, you know, and I I get this joke constantly. And like, I printed my lookbook in in Italy and I was, if I was in New York, I would have flipped out. (laughs) And they were like, you only gave us 24 hours. I'm like, how is that an excuse? Interesting. I'm like, you're, you're a printer. You're a professional. Yeah. Like if I, if that was my job, I wouldn't deliver a production like that. say no, then I can't do it in 24 hours. Right. But anyway, <laughs> point being is that I've gotten a lot of that in Italy. They were like, no, no, we can make everything and anything. You just need to give us time. And what I was asking in the beginning, they were like, what? And a lot of people didn't understand, you know, like a lot of people just didn't understand. Like they were like, why do you want to take super lightweight windproof waterproof nylon and then put down in it like you should just make a lightweight jacket and I was like I want to make a down jacket that's super light or yeah. as light as possible and they were like okay let's try you know and and then and then I would explain to them my reasoning like you know when you make I discovered with uh, this running brand called Gore which is fantastic I'm okay. still around I'm not sure if it is but basically everything is windproof and because of that, it retains your heat, and so that's why it's such an amazing running brand. You know you don't want to wear a down jacket. you just want to wear one or two layers in the winter in particular, and, and keep, retain your heat. And so I started thinking about that, and that's why I wanted to use windproof, not necessarily to combat wind in that sense, but just to retain the heat. Yeah. And then when you put in all this down, like I was like, "Oh, this, it's going to be a tank. Right. You know for me, like I can't wear it under 30 degrees. like I'd be I, I was wearing it, I'm wearing it today. And I was sweating. It's 37. <laughs> I was like, uh, I hope I didn't make it too warm. <laughs> well, there's like, you know, it's interesting, especially hearing,
0: you know, I, I, looking through the the, the lookbook and, and seeing how like the process of how you're making some of this stuff.
1: Mm.
0: It's definitely, you know, it's the same thing in the, t- in the sense that you're not like, oh, this was hot. You know, so I'm going to make one of those or I saw this on the runway and I wanted to do something like that. Mm. Like all of these definitely feel like it's from your own singular vision. Mm. You know, it's obviously it almost feels like there's a bit of a struggle just to get this made. Like, do you enjoy the the process of making something or the final
1: product more? Uh, good. Yeah, it's a good question. That's a good question because I was I was talking to a friend in Italy in particular about this because like for her like after she's done with a collection she designs several different collections and lines, it's it's dead to her. She's like I, I've lived with it so long I don't want to see it anymore. Yeah, I think for me, you know, they're like your babies to a certain point. Like for me, I enjoy the process for sure, and I've been very fortunate. Like uh, Ernesto, who who is I we don't we don't we don't have a title for him yet, but he's like my commercial guy, I guess. Okay. Uh, he's opened up a lot of doors for me that I would have not been able to on a first season. Uh, so I'm able to get into really good factories and get really good mills oh, because right. of him. He made it easier for me to have a little bit of fun. And he also just because it, it went so fast, it just kind of like, you know, boom, it was done. And so now, like, I'm leaving literally Saturday to go start spring in milan just to get the fabrics yeah so unica yeah exactly yeah. um there are things like you know i i i'm gonna be so trapped in my head just because spring is already done in my head i'm just trying to sort out what i'm gonna see and as far as fabrics are concerned but it's hard for me to focus and think like oh uh, i i because now it's my business right yeah because I, I mean it's it is an art project in a way but this is this is your livelihood
0: this is how you're making a living. this is my
1: life yeah and so now i have i haven't thought about the collection in a bit to be honest with you as far as like what am i going to want you know like like uh, i'm fortunate that a lot of all the stuff that i draped and and patterned in new york is my size
0: <laughs> there you go
1: <laughs> and stuff that i did in italy is not so i'm okay. like i'm not going to waste money and and get production out of you know production piece for me for sure but maybe i will i'm sure i'm like You know, all the people that work for me are like, oh, I want to get a personal for this and that. And I haven't thought about putting a personal order in yet. Really? (laughs) No, I haven't. But it's just, (laughs) honestly, it's just now because I'm more driven by, this is my business. I have to like think about the ins and outs. Yeah. I I had had to think about it. You know, I've been thinking about a salesperson. You know, I've been thinking about like literally I was texting this morning about like securing the space again in June, you know, for spring 21. Right. You know, just like. Loads of stuff like that like, are constantly in my head besides my personal life, you know, just like my family and being away from them for so long and, and trying to find what my new rhythm is going to be with my life. Yeah. I guess, like my friend said, maybe it's dead to me, but it's not. Like, because I still, you know, there are things that I am, I'm thinking about from what I worked on that I are going to transition into spring for sure. Right. But I'm not thinking about it in the sense of like in that moment anymore. I'm just like now going to get trapped in thinking about the future. Yeah. So maybe they're, they're like distant memories. Not (laughs) dead like my, my friend said. Sure. Nostalgic.
0: Yeah. They're nostalgic a bit. I don't know. (laughs) Well, it's, it's funny because, you know, you you said this earlier about like the, you know, your family and, Mm. you know, on your social media and stuff. I mean, you've, you've shown off your family and your daughter and your wife and God bless them. Do you think that, the drive that you've had professionally has shifted
1: because you're supporting your family? Like, would yeah. you behave the same way if it if they weren't around? For me, I'm, I uh, I want to find, like, the reason I left the Pentas is I, I need to find my rhythm where I'm, I want to spend more time with my daughter and I want to spend more time with my wife. Like, me and my wife are high school sweethearts and we, you know, I want to be able to, you know, I I can do... I can do like, I could spend a day with her with lots of events and I can just hold her hand and walk down the block and do nothing, you know, uh, and I miss that, you know, I want to get to a place where I want to find a rhythm where we can just do nothing. And so I'm struggling with that now because I'm setting up everything. Everything is from the ground up. So like, I don't know, I'm not answering your question. Am I, um, no, I mean it. It sounds like you are. I mean, the, the, talking about the importance of finding a way to be with your yeah, family. I mean, that yeah.
0: definitely gives you a drive.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, for sure. And so, like, I guess I'm just building this. I'm, you know, as I'm, as I'm, you know, because it's it went so fast to two and a half months just to finish this collection and do this collection right. that, you know, and they've been very supportive and patient with me. But um, it's just because it's all me now. It's just like I have to figure out a new rhythm for sure. And I see it. It's going to come up, but it's just going to take a little bit more time than I thought. Yeah they're, they're everything to me. I I do this for them because like, this is the only thing I'm good at. (laughs) Yeah. I don't think I'm good at anything else. Yeah. I hope, I hope, you know, touch wood. Um, this is successful and, and I can get to a place where the rhythm is what I need it to be.
0: Yeah. I mean, a testament to that and something I love about you is, you know, we've hung out a few times and we'll talk about clothes or whatever. And oftentimes I'll like show you like, Hey, you know, I like this coat or I like this. And, it's for me, mm. and you'll be like, "Yo, I like this, and I like this," and they're things for your wife, which is, <laughs> which I I think is a perfect, you know, testament example of how much you love your family and how you want to take care of them. Like, well, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure.
0: I mean, you're 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 taking care of your your lady and getting her. You know, I think you showed me like I want I want to find a way to get her the Chanel bag, or I want to yeah. find a way.
1: That's yeah, we're awesome. very well. We're very fortunate that we have friends that like really help us to do those things in a very economical way (laughs) sure sure but um (laughs) no you know my wife is not a fashion person uh she is she doesn't like to say but she's not uh she like she's like me in a way that she just likes really well-made stuff Mm. um and she likes things that last forever she wants things that last forever and uh, like for instance what you said about chanel like for me chanel like pre pre Carl and all that. And, and what an amazing business that it is. I mean, and it's an ind- independent business. Yeah, You geez. know what I mean? Just her, her mentality, Coco Chanel's mentality of liberating women by cl- with clothing, you know, just like, you know, the corset and innovating Jersey, et cetera, et cetera. Like a Chanel classic Chanel jacket, you know, horsehair floating canvas, blah, blah, blah. It even has a, you know, chain sewn to the bottom of the hem so it hangs perfect.
0: Yeah, for for yeah. weight
1: distribution. You know, and you drink. know yeah. after that, after that, after this brand is gone from this earth, which may, it probably won't. No one's gonna care about that craft, you know, or like that care for that for that customer. You know, they have the in-house perfume bottle, not the stuff that's at Macy's. And the top of it, the most expensive part of any perfume is the top of the perfume and their in-house perfume has just a simple black plastic on top with their double C logos, mm-hmm. but they have put a magnet inside. So every time you close it, it faces you. That to me is like, who cares <laughs> about that? But at the same time, it's amazing. Wow, It's amazing. And like, you know, my wife really respects these kinds of ideas. So, um, you know, for me, she's always like, ah, oh, you know, but we have to do this, we have to do that. So if I have, a, if I can get a way to figure out to get it for her, I want to get it for her. But like, uh, I want and I should say, I should say to you because you haven't seen the full collection, but um, I actually have some Chanel. What? In the collection. Like I made a, like a, a jacket. I, I well, I wanted to take things that I thought not only were... Men's wear, like I draped a lot of coats, like uh, like you would drape a women's coat, because I wanted it to have this cape effect and things like that. Right. But I made like basically like a, a men's cardigan coat that resembles a Chanel jacket, it has a, a braiding and everything, wool cashmere. It's, I'll 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 show you. I'll show you a picture after we're with this. But at the same time, I didn't want to just do that. Uh, I was very fortunate that we had a mill that supplies Chanel, make some wool cotton boucle that you yeah. know that the classic that they Chanel would use, fabric that really. they would use mm-hmm. and um you know i i juxtaposed that and made it in a more masculine way like i made it like an overshirt like a simple button down overshirt and kind of climbing pant that was just easy to wear i didn't want to make it too so like hard to wear even though it has you know it looks shiny
0: mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> but uh, at the same time like you know i i going back to my family like my little girl's skinny and and long and so on the inside of kids clothing i think you know has that elastic with the button on it yeah and so when it came i wanted to come up with ideas that i've not seen before so i i made instead of a drawstring i did that that kind of technique where you had inst- uh, with the elastic in the button so you can you know um make a draw cord basically oh, but i wow. put it on the outside and i i and i blew it up like i made it super long so it's just like just like showing off this thing that i was inspired because of my little girl you know Um, so yeah, I brought a lot of that type of idea and kind of like, again, just solutions because a lot of it was solution design because of things that I wanted. Like, you know, I really respect Chanel and I wanted to get something that was from Chanel, but I I can't. So I made one like solution design. There you go. And then, uh, I love cowboy boots and you know, the shaft is always a pain in the neck for me thinking about the pants you're going to wear. So I chopped the shaft off and I made a Western shoe, you know? And so a lot of a lot of it is based on that, and I just kind of put it all together in a very—again, it's very American, but it, I guess the undertone is with a New York gesture, New York attitude, uh, because it's all I know. <laughs> well, I don't think I have the skill set to be, like, this designer to be, like, with fantasy and dreams. Like, everything comes from a real place, from what I'm doing. So— uh, you know, it's just, I I picked, I cherry picked all the things around me that I love. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, you know, ultimately I think that Chanel thing is mostly f- as homage to my, my wife. That's awesome. I now don't know that I think about it. Yeah.
0: You know, who else uh, thinks about their wife quite a bit in their designs? Who, who's that? King Ralph?
1: Oh yeah. That's true. <laughs> there you go.
0: <laughs> there you go. <laughs> that's true. Oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> so you got that. Well, Angelo, it was a pleasure
1: chatting. I think we covered. Quite no, a yeah. I think we, Yeah, for sure. And uh, just thank you, thank you for wanting to do this, and thank you for always asking. Because I, I, you know, yeah, (laughs) I always was like, "Uh." it took a while, but we got it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. We got it. um, Thank you to everyone. Thank you to everyone for supporting Nepentis for all those years, all the work we did there. Hopefully, you come check out what I'm doing and see if you like it. So, thank you, thank you to everyone. I'm sure they will. (laughs) All right, thanks, man. All right, see you.
0: all right that's it but don't worry we'll be back next week with more blammo our theme music is by breakmaster cylinder editing by brendan finn and we're produced by blammo media follow along with us on instagram at blammo podcast and leave a review for us on your favorite podcast app want even more Head over to patreon.com forward slash blammo to join the blam fam and get access to additional interviews, a community slack, special events, and more. And best of all, you're supporting the show. Try it. It feels good. Thanks, everyone. We'll see you next week.